Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have got a treat for you today. All the way from Salt Lake City, Utah, and again, the wonderful power of Zoom that we can bring these guests to you. They don't have to sit here in my studio. They can be where they are comfortable, and for my guest, Corey Rich, that is the Salt Lake City, Utah area, and so what a pleasure today to welcome in Corey Rich to the Intentional Encourager podcast. Corey, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Brian. Happy to be here, and I'm very grateful that you're, ha- that you're having me. Corey, it's my pleasure. You are really on the ground floor right now as, as we record this podcast in the midst of COVID-19. As a small business owner, you're really on the ground floor of what's going on um, as an entrepreneur of a small business, a small startup. What have you sensed through this so far that, that has really been eye-opening to you as far as your business and, and, and just day-to-day life is concerned? Yeah, for me, I've tried to take, uh, as odd as it may sound, I've kind of tried to take the reality <laughs> of COVID out of my day-to-day activities. And what I mean by that is you can't be naive and ignorant, obviously, to what's going on and, and yep. the challenges that we're facing. But I've really just tried to base everything off of my faith and my business partner's faith. We have felt so strongly that uh, what we're doing is where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be moving forward with, even though the reality of the situation right now is a little bit scary with things being slowed down and with things changing so much right now with the COVID situation. And so for me, the biggest thing has just been recognizing that we're going to face some challenges now and you know probably for the next few months but also recognizing that we know without a shadow of a doubt that we're on the right path and so we just need to keep pressing forward and doing the things that we can control and not worrying as much about the things that we can't control and Corey that's so important because faith is a a large component of a lot of people's lives it's a, a large component of my life and many people that listen to this podcast how important is it or was it for you to have a business partner that aligned with you not only from a business standpoint, but also from a spiritual standpoint as well? Oh, that's a great question. For me, uh, it was absolutely necessary. So I've, uh, I've started several businesses, just small businesses over the past several years, and I've never really been able to, to buy all in, like 100% in. And I think a lot of that was just due to the business partners that, uh, that I had. Great people, nothing against them whatsoever. Uh, we just didn't align on all levels. And uh, finally finding my, my current business partner, his name's Joe Cooper, who we align on every level. We're actually very yeah. different as far as how we execute. Uh, we, we cover kind of each other's strengths and weaknesses, and we make up for those for, for each other. But, yeah. uh, you know, faith, family, and business, we are very, very aligned with our principles. And that was uh, a game changer for me. Well, and again, you know, the Bible talks about, well, there's two scriptures that come to mind, Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then the Bible talks about not being unequally yoked. And a lot of times your strength may be a certain way 
and Joe's strength is a certain way. But it feels like in this situation, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it really feels like you feel like that the Lord really put you two together for the, for such a time as this. Oh, 100%. So it's interesting. I've known Joe for about five years. It wasn't until about a year ago that we started helping each other with some separate ventures that we were working on. And it wasn't until about six months ago that we actually really came together and were like, hey, why don't we start a business together and then started on this journey? So I uh, 100% know and, and believe that the Lord has put us together for a purpose at this time. And it was absolutely uh, meant to be. When you started your business a few months back, obviously, and you and I talked a couple months back as well, too, you know, about some things that, that you were going through and, and, and this new business venture. Looking at when you started it then to, what you, to where you are now, what is the biggest takeaway that you've taken from these last few months about your business and maybe something you learned about yourself? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. I'd say two things, one about the business and one about myself. Uh, the first about the business is for me, just learning that entrepreneurship is really about pivoting <laughs> and being nimble. And the reason why I say that is because I think, uh, as an entrepreneur, you have these just grandiose visions in your head of, of what your business should be and what it should look like and what it should be about. And then you quickly realize that in so many ways, the market dictates certain moves that you have to make. Yeah. And so for me, just learning how nimble you have to be and how willing you have to be to pivot to make sure that you're heading in the right direction because your vision uh, exactly the way that you think you're going to achieve that. I'm learning mm -hmm. very rarely happens. <laughs> and yeah. So you Good have point. To be pivot and say, Hey, it's okay. I can make some concessions here as long as I keep, you know, my principles and my values at the core of everything that I do. Uh, and then for me, uh, as a person, just as an individual, I've learned that I'm stronger than I thought I was. I I've struggled for a lot of my life with some self doubt and, uh, just maybe not believing that I uh, can do and be as good as I can. And so going off on this entrepreneurial journey and realizing that that's, that's a bunch of hooey. <laughs> and yeah. I, uh, I, I have a lot of weaknesses and I have a ton of places that I need to improve, but that I can do it, that I'm strong enough that I can make this happen. And those have been two of the big things that come to my, my forefront of the, the forefront of my mind. Well, and, and again, you talk about this, the story of getting Corey from point A to point B and let's, let's shift here for just a moment and talk about, your story from point A to point B. Talk about your your early journey and, and kind of the, the series of events that's led you to where you are today. Yeah, definitely. So uh, kind of going back and I'll, I'll be quick, but uh, I grew up uh, in a broken home. So my parents were divorced when I was around two years old. Uh, I grew up with divorced parents. Uh, when, I was, uh, when I was about nine years old, my, uh, my stepmom, so my dad remarried, my stepmom was diagnosed with cancer. And then in the same, in the same year, my grandfather, my dad's grandfather, uh, or my dad's father, excuse me, passed away. And that kind of put my dad into a tailspin. So my dad actually relapsed uh, 
pretty heavy on drugs from the age from the age of about 12 to about 26 my age wow. of 12 to 26 and so I had like a stalwart mom and she was great but I actually lived with my dad uh, throughout junior high and high school and so I dealt a lot with my dad's drug addiction and uh, trying to help him to overcome that uh, in and out of rehab overdosing you know nearly uh, dying several times all while my stepmom had cancer as well and she was dying and for me that was like some of the hardest times of my life like I look back and I didn't realize it then but that was uh, just some of the toughest point parts of my life and then when I was uh, 18 years old my stepmom ended up passing away and my dad just went deeper and deeper kind of down the, the drug addiction path. So what was that like I I'm sure in a lot of ways Corey you basically had an absentee father, if I could make that assumption, because of the addiction that your dad dealt with. And, and, and I can not relate to that, but the area that I live in, in the, in the Huntington, West Virginia area, about 15 minutes away from where, where I am right now, um, three years ago, we had 26 overdoses in one night from heroin. We've become the epicenter to a large degree of the heroin epidemic in this country. What was that like as a teenager? Those are your formative years, right? You're trying to find who you are. What was that like dealing with a father who, who may or may not have been there a lot of times because the, of the addiction that he was dealing with? Yeah, it was, it was tough. And I think it was even more tough because my dad was like an amazing father, like throughout my childhood. And then my teen years hit and he relapses on drugs. And it's like, he was just, you know, a total 180, just a totally different person. So yeah, I mean, that was tough. I, as a 16 year old kid, I was, you know, walking in on my dad doing drugs and me having to dump drugs down the toilet and kick my dad out of my, out of my house at 16. And so Man. that was a, that was a tough thing to, to handle and to, to cope with as, as just a teenager. You, you had to grow up pretty quickly though, then didn't you, because of, of what you dealt with when you think about it now and you look back at 16 year old Corey, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? If you could go back and say, man, I wish I could put my arm around that kid. What would you tell that kid now at, at 26, 27, talking, if you could go back and talk to 16-year-old Corey? Oh, man, that's a great question. I've actually thought a lot about this. And uh, with the risk of sounding selfish, I think I would have told him to stop worrying so much about everybody else and make sure you are okay. <laughs> and not by any means what a great stop I, serving. <laughs> what a great point. I want to park there for just a minute yeah, because sure. so many people think, and especially with the times that we're in now, so many people think, well, everybody's telling me I have to do this for somebody else and I have to do this for somebody else. And, and you see all the commercials, Corey, we're all in together in air quotes and, and things like that. Can you just repeat what you just said? Because I think that is just so powerful, man. Yeah, absolutely. If I, if I could go back, I would have told myself and I tell myself today, stop worrying about everybody else so much and make sure that you are okay. <laughs> make sure that you're stable. Make sure that you're strong and that you can move forward. Well, and it's, and, and again, I, I've kind of, to piggyback off that, Corey, I've said that to people as well, too. I commented on a post um, last week on LinkedIn, and I said the biggest thing you have to be able to do is 
to encourage other people is you've got to get your mindset in the right place to encourage. Because if, because if you aren't there all there mentally, how in the world are you, I guess you could fake it till you made it, but Mm -hmm. what good would that do for anybody? So when you talk about taking care of yourself first, what were some of the things you did as a teenager to keep your mental stability where it needed to be? Because that would have to be hard. You're, you're, again, as I mentioned a moment ago, you're trying to figure it out. And then you've, you've got to live your life and get ready to do the things that you're supposed to do. What did you do for yourself in those times? Well, I wish I would have done more, Brian, but uh, really the only thing that held me together in, in high school is sports. So I was a big, uh, big football player in high school. And uh, that was like the one thing that I look back that actually held me together somewhat. Uh, I couldn't tell. Back. I mean, I mean, from the shoulders, you look like a middle linebacker. Good night, dude. I, I'm just like, I want to go find some padding that I can put under this pullover to make myself look jack. When we release this video, you're going to see, man, Corey is just ripped. I mean, he's just, he's got it together. So you played football in high school? Yeah, yeah. I played football all three years in high school, and that was really kind of like the – just the center of my life uh, during that so what time positions playing did you, football. What position did you play? Uh, so I actually played defensive end and offensive line. No, you don't say. Is. You don't uh, say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would not have figured you for a de- – you look like J.J. Watt's little brother, man. I wish I was J.J. Watt's little brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're all playing in the NFL, and I wouldn't That's get right. to so you play high school football were there any other sports that you played in high school did you play baseball or basketball I, I played basketball and baseball but not competitively I did all growing up but then when high school hit it was just 100 percent football so that was that was it and that was like I said just kind of the core of everything which looking back I'd, I'd kind of fallen away from my faith and and my beliefs and, and it was just football and obviously that's not really a great uh, foundation to build things yeah. off of but but it was uh, it was really important for me back then you talk about your faith when when was it that that you had that moment where where you came to the lord and and turned your life over to the lord and and really this is this podcast is not a designed to be a faith-based podcast we tell stories of everybody I want to tell really good inspirational stories, but we have that commonality of being Christian. So when, when did you decide, Hey, I've got to do something and give my life to the Lord and, and start walking with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, kind of with everything that was going on in my family from the age of about 16 to 21, I actually struggled pretty bad with drugs and alcohol throughout those years. Uh, seems interesting watching it, watching a dad struggle with addiction. You'd think it would turn you away from it, but unfortunately, uh, it made me gravitate towards it more. And so I struggled. Was it an escape for you? Did you feel like it was an escape because a lot of people use drugs and alcohol, Corey, as an escape. Was it an escape for you? You know, I never thought it was at that time, Brian, but looking back, I think that's absolutely what it was. I think it was a way just to to get away and to, you know, quote unquote, you know, shirk any responsibility, which obviously that's the opposite of what it does. But uh, yeah, looking back to kind of young Corey, I think that's exactly what it was. And so you gravitate to drugs and alcohol from about 16 to 18. Um, 
now you're at your 18 year old life. What, what was that turning point where you said, I've got to do something different. And, and that, that path that, that led you to ultimately giving your life to the Lord. Yeah. So, so I actually struggled till I was about 21. And then uh, I just had uh, some really strong experiences when I was 21 and, and living with some friends where I knew that my life needed to change. I, I basically just was able to see my life from an outside perspective for a few moments and realize that if I continued on the path that I was, that I was going nowhere, uh, possibly even die. And uh, I was able to see that in a very real way when I was 21. And that's really when I turned my life around and uh, actually decided to uh, work towards serving a church service mission for my church. And I uh, left on that when I was nearly 22, and that was a game changer for me. That's really when my life just turned completely around. In that time and making that decision, because that, that's a big pivotal moment. That is, okay, I'm going to give up X amount of time in my life to do this, to serve other people. When you were making that decision, what was the one thing that really cemented that decision for you? Uh, for me, it was just the feelings that I have, I had in my heart. I don't even know how to explain it. It was just like, I was fortunate enough to see and to feel in a different way than I ever had before that I needed to be on a different path. And that's really what cemented it for me because all of the outside influences, I had a fiance at the time. Uh, you know, I, I, I was doing all these other things. All these worldly influences were telling me the opposite of, this isn't the path you should be taking, but I yeah. just had this, this indescribable and undeniable feeling that this was the path I needed to take. And that's really what cemented it for me. And, and think about it this way. And, and, and I'm, I'm so glad you said that because the, the question that, that was going through my mind as you were talking about that was, you know, how do you, do you feel like that you survived to some degree and, and you, you escaped something because here's, here's why I say that. And here's how I, I want to frame that question is that you talked about seeing your dad go through addiction mm-hmm. and then you struggle with it at some point, And then you're starting to come out of it. Did you feel like to some degree that you, you had escaped and you felt like you needed to do, that's what I'm hearing from your story. So I want to ask you that. Did you feel an escape from what you were coming from to what you were going to? Oh, hundred percent. I, uh, I look back now and I like, it almost amazes me. Like I talked to my wife about it from time to time. Like I look back at what I was involved in from the age of 16 to 21 to where, how I came out of it. And as quickly as I came out of it, you know, without having to go through any rehab or really any, you know, serious treatment or anything like that. And it's pretty amazing to me, like looking back. So absolutely feel like I escaped where I was and, and the path I was going to something, you know, better into a, to a higher road, so to speak. Are you an interventionist because of that? I mean, if you see somebody heading down that path, maybe it's an employee, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's somebody that you've worked with. Do you find yourself because you came out of that to some degree, do you find yourself being an interventionist a lot of times? When you yeah, see that <laughs> sometimes to my detriment, because I tend to look 
less at how people feel about how I come across and more about where I see them heading. Uh, so absolutely, I, I try to intervene whenever I see someone heading down those paths. And uh, sometimes it ends well, sometimes it doesn't, but uh, I just can't help myself. <laughs> well, we, we, we want, you know, obviously there are warning signs on the highways. You know, if, if, right. if people didn't want to protect people from danger, I mean, man, look, everybody's wearing masks now. I probably should be wearing – I'm in my own house. I should be wearing masks. <laughs> probably. I don't know. You know, somebody that sees it would be like, hey, Brian, put a mask on, you know. <laughs> but, um, but no, Corey, the, the reason that I ask that is, is I think that's a natural inclination of people that have done dangerous things. And, and let's be honest, drugs and alcohol abuse is a dangerous thing. It kills people. It can kill people. Right. And, and so you find yourself wanting to, to make those warnings and take those warnings. When you came out of that situation, you're heading to the mission, to, to a mission uh, opportunity. Talk about that mission opportunity. H how much did it radically change your life? Because your life was changing when you get to that point and yeah. now you're heading on this mission trip, what really changed about Corey at that point? Oh yeah. I, uh, I think and, and talk about this with my family and, and friends and, and loved ones quite a bit, but uh, it's hard for me to describe what changed within me uh, through serving, you know, for my church. It, uh, it helped me to focus on what's most important. It helped me to look outward and to focus on serving and helping other people. It turned my thoughts to, to God, uh, to our Savior Jesus Christ, in a way that I had never had before because all of my time and efforts 24 seven uh, were focused on them and, and on serving people. And so when I look back uh, to those that time that I served uh, a mission for my church, uh, the person who left and then the person who came back, uh, I don't know that they were very similar. <laughs> and yeah. So uh, besides my personality, you know, and, and my attributes and maybe my smile, uh, that's about the, all that came back with me. So, so you come back from the mission trip and, and you're a different person. What happens in your life next? What, where do you decide what career path at that point? Cause I'm assuming at that point, you're what, 22, 23 at that point. Yeah. So I was just, uh, yeah, just about 24 when I got home. Yep. And so, um, and you're how old now, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 33. Wow. See, I would have pictured you to be much younger. You know, <laughs> I have to disguise the gray in my it's beard. The, it's you know. the baby. It's the baby face. That's what it is. <laughs> See, if I shaved this off, it would be a crime to humanity because this is hiding <laughs> some ugly there, there underneath it. I don't have the the jacked physique. No. <laughs> what you got? So, but but no, you come back from the mission field. And, and now what, 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 what's next in Corey Rich's life? Yeah. So for me, there's two big things. Uh, one was finding a spouse. I, I knew that, uh, you know, I wanted to find a sweetheart that I could spend the rest of my life with. And so that was obviously top of my mind. And then uh, the second was when I actually got home from my mission, I wanted to uh, be a high school teacher and a football coach. And so I started going to the University of Utah uh, here in Salt Lake City uh, to be a teacher and a football coach and uh, got my first sales job and realized that uh, 
I think I wanted to be in sales. So then I did a complete 180 pivot from teaching and coaching. uh, And I've been in sales the rest of my career. Probably make a lot more money too, you know. (laughs) I hope so. So, uh, yeah, so that was kind of an interesting pivot. I I always, uh, you know, on the mission coming home, wanted to be a teacher and then got into sales and loved it. And then that's where I've spent, uh, you know, my, my whole career. I'm stunned you didn't try to walk on the University of Utah football team because (laughs) them and BYU – and Utah State have all these 24, 25, 26-year-old dudes that just decide they're going to do something right after high school, and then they decide, okay, well, I'm a good enough athlete. I'm going to go play football. I mean, it's amazing to me. I mean, they get guys drafted into the NFL. It's like, well, he's 25 years old. I'm I'm surprised that you won't see a Utah player that's like, (laughs) Hey, I'm 33. I've got a pension waiting for me. You know. <laughs> yeah, the, the football path. So I actually talked with one of my uh, one of my old coaches as I uh, got home from my mission, and he was going to help me to go play for a uh, a university, just a small university, actually in uh, Southern Virginia. And then just decided that uh, that wasn't the path. And if I would have tried to walk on at Utah. I would have gotten smoked. So that was the that was the reason why I didn't. So yeah, they play, I, I didn't they, want to be embarrassed. They play big boy football in the Pac twelve, you know. Yeah, that's that's that's, right. that's uh yeah. That's, yeah, I, I I feel you, man. I feel you. So so you get into sales and, and mm-hmm. I, I've been I've been in sales and sales management and customer engagement for twenty five years. I I love it as well. What was the one thing about it when you got into sales? You were like, man, this is for me because you blew up your whole career path. You were going to be a high school teacher and a football coach, and you yeah. blow it up because you like sales. What yeah. What was that light switch moment for you that flipped on? Yeah, for me, uh, it was the the potential and the challenge. So I really appreciated, and I still appreciate to this day, the challenge of sales and and uh, kind of this opportunity to to connect with people and try to provide a solution to pain points that they're feeling. And so that immediately drew me to sales is I look at it as a way to serve people and to help people. Uh, if people don't find what I'm selling valuable or if it doesn't provide, you know, like valuable things in their life, I don't, I don't want to sell to them, right? Because it's not helping them. It's not helping them reach a higher level. And then the second part was uh, just the potential of sales. Like there's kind of like this, you know, if you can find the right jobs and if you can get the right industries, there's just kind of this unlimited potential. And I really liked that idea of growth and being able to start in sales and just kind of have this, uh, this unlimited potential of things that were possible. Well, and, and again, I've, I've been in now four different industries. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'll say this is those skills translate. Those skills move. Yeah from industry to industry. I, I've always said this, Corey, and I, you know, and, and, and kind of not trying to hijack our conversation here, but when I was a district manager in, in the food service distribution world, the argument was, do we hire a chef who knows a lot about food and teach him sales, or do we hire a salesperson and teach him food? What's your thought on that? Because I have my own thought on that. I mean, for me, I'm probably a little bit biased, but I, I'm always going to go to the salesperson and teach. I'm going to hire you. Exactly right. that, that was mine and my, and, and it's funny because the guy who was my assistant district manager, he was a chef by trade, but we thought a lot alike because it's like, Hey, 
the sales, the skills that you have and you pick up from selling mm-hmm. and that you hone and refine and things like that, I can teach anybody product. Those, those other right. skills are inerrant. Yep. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think, I, I think we probably see a little too much, uh, kind of industry pounding our chest a little bit and, and yeah. industries that only want certain, you know, certain talent. I, I think if you're a good salesperson, those skills will translate to any industry. It might take some time to pick up on the technical jargon and all that stuff, but should be able to translate to any industry. Well, and finding value, value is different for every customer. Right. What, what, what one customer finds valuable, another customer might not. So it's, it's that Absolutely. challenge of, of trying to find the relatable value from customer to customer. So what's the biggest obstacle that you've overcome? And you talked about a huge obstacle. And I, again, I don't want to, to me, when I hear your story and you've unwrapped the layers and you've been so gracious to do that, I really appreciate you unwrapping those layers. I would think the biggest obstacle that you overcame was, was being addicted to drugs and alcohol. But what professional, what's the biggest professional obstacle that you've overcome? I would say, you know, for me, the biggest professional obstacle was, was actually finally going 100% all in on, uh, on my business. And the reason I say that is because there's so much leading up to that. I have a wife and two boys. And I've always had this dream of being an entrepreneur and having my own business and, you know, kind of being my own boss, uh, so to speak. But you have a family and you have a good income. (laughs) And then it's like, it's like looking at going off on your own. And it's like, okay, so I'm going with a wife and two kids, a mortgage, bills to pay, and a good income to no income, trying to build something from scratch with the hope that it's going to work out. And that has been an obstacle for me, my entire professional life. Should I go all in on the business? Ah, you know what? I'm pretty comfortable right here making some good money and and my my wife and I. And so that's been the biggest obstacle, honestly, is kind of this, uh, this lack of, of belief in myself to a point where it's like, do I go all in or do I stay kind of not as happy as I am at my job? Do I go all in? And so that's been a battle my whole career and finally overcoming that and going all in on my business was a huge, huge, uh, a huge win for me. See, I, I would have, I, I'm, I'm surprised because aren't dads of sons supposed to invest in training because our kids are going to be the next super superstar athletes, right? You know, I mean, you got to, you got to get, you got to get private trainers for basketball. You've got to get swing coaches for golf. You've got to get baseball coaches. I mean, that's what you're supposed to. I failed my son miserably. My son was a bench player. He started in baseball, but he was a bench bench player in in basketball. But I think you've hit on something there. And I want to transition in the last few minutes that we have together. Um, I, I do want to mention this, and I, I'm going to pivot just a, a minute to your family and then pivot back to, to, to your business. You've got two boys. One of, them, one of them has been diagnosed with ADHD, and you've talked about that on LinkedIn, the challenges that you and your wife have had. What have you learned from your son through his struggles? Oh, man, that's a – Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's all right, you know, man. 
I'm not trying to be Oprah Winfrey and make everybody cry. I'm, not, I'm, I'm normally the I'm normally the guy that's bouncing off the walls and stuff. Like that. But you know something? Um, I've been there. You and I talked about before you answer that question. You and I talked about this because we had similar situations. Yeah. Uh, my son in the fourth grade, his fourth grade teacher, we we got called in for a conference. And the principal called us in and his fourth grade teacher called us in and they were like, well, you need to put your son on medication. And it really offended me because I looked at them and I said, show me his grades. What, yeah. is, what do his grades look like? Oh, he's top of his class. He's all A's. I said, okay, if he, if he is what you say he is, then his grades should be all over the board. Right. And Corey, it was the weekend that I was going to get my MBA. I was graduating with my MBA. I was actually, we, we were leaving the school to head to Louisville, Kentucky for the, for the, for the commencement exercises. And I looked at them and I said, look across the table, look me in the eye, look across the table. at me. This is probably what he's going to look like at 39 years old, 38, 39 years old. If he does that, <laughs> I'm good. Not that I'm anybody special, no. but your son probably has had to overcome the stigma of having ADHD. What has that been like for you and your family to walk through that journey with him? Yeah. So for me, I've learned so much from my son. Like I'm supposed to be the parent here and I feel like I've learned like a thousand times more from him than he'll ever learn from me. But, uh, the biggest thing I'd say that I've learned from my son is that it's okay to be different. <laughs> so I spent a lot of my life trying to fit in. I think based on just like I've talked about a little bit, some self-esteem issues and things like that. So I spent a lot of my time in my life, especially my younger years, trying to fit in and trying to be somebody different. And I've learned so much from my son that it's okay to be different. It's okay to have our unique struggles because that's what makes us strong. And I've seen my son, like he's the happiest, like most go lucky kid. He has the biggest heart. And if not paying attention to something sometimes and not listening as good as he could sometimes is his biggest fault, I'll take it all day long because his strengths far, far outweigh his weaknesses. And that's what I've learned, not just about him, but about everybody. And that's kind of the, the approach that I really try to take with life is we all have weaknesses. But I'll tell you what, for the large, large majority of us, our strengths far, far outweigh our weaknesses. And that's what I try to focus on. Have you learned something from a business perspective through watching your son go through what he's gone through? Yeah, absolutely. I think two big things that come to mind that I've learned from a business perspective is one, applying that uh, methodology to specifically managing people and to leading people. Instead of trying to force people to operate and to act a certain way, the way that I think or that anybody else thinks they should, to allow them to operate based on their strengths, their motivators, their weaknesses. That's a big one for me. It's like job objectives aren't likely to change, but I do believe very strongly that how we get to those job objectives based on who we are at our core can and should very much change. And so that's been a big eye opener for me from a business perspective. And then the second thing from a business is just that we can overcome all challenges. <laughs> and it's, it's so interesting, the parallels that life and, and business run. But uh, looking at the challenges that so many people face, my son, 
you know, me, you, all of us, we all have our unique challenges and our unique struggles. We can overcome them. And I feel the same about the business. Like I go into business with a different mentality because I'm like, this is hard and this sucks right now. And there's so much that we have to do, but if we keep our faith, we can do it. And uh, those are probably the two biggest things that I've learned in business. So let's piggyback off of that. Somebody that's listening to the, to this. And, and I love that Corey, that was just spot on, man. What is the biggest piece of intentional encouragement that you could offer a business owner, a salesperson, right? Cause you've worn a lot of those hats. Maybe somebody that's struggling with, maybe somebody that, that says, I might have a problem with drugs or alcohol that I'm not dealing with. I'm trying to bury it and, and hope nobody finds out about it. What's the biggest piece of intentional encouragement that you could offer somebody? For me, I think the biggest one that I'd give is just to, to never give up and to realize that you are made for much, much greater than I think you can realize. Uh, I hate to see people miserable. I hate to see people suffering and thinking that they are less than they truly are. And for me, uh, my belief, we're all children of God. And because we are children of God, it means we're all destined for greatness. But we have to choose that. He's not going to make it happen for us. That's right. We have to choose that greatness. And to me, that would be the biggest piece is you are great. You are destined for greatness. Now go out and choose that greatness and work for it every single day. Man, what, what a great way to end our conversation today. Corey Rich, thank you so much for being on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Tell folks where they can find you and connect with you on social media platforms or, or anywhere else. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the biggest one I'm active on is, is LinkedIn. Uh, please connect with me, just Corey Rich uh, on LinkedIn. I'm the co-founder of Evolve Leadership Technologies, so that should uh, help you to find, find me pretty easy. Corey, man, thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome. And, and thank you for telling your story and sharing your story with the Intentional Encourager podcast audience. Hey, absolutely, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Thanks. Such a powerful story from Corey Rich. I just was blown away the whole time we were having that conversation. And especially when he was talking about being addicted himself after seeing his father go through addiction. I just couldn't imagine, one, seeing my father go through that addiction and then going through that myself. Having to watch my father have his own demons and then getting addicted myself. I couldn't imagine what Corey was going through at that time, but he overcame. And that is the intentional encouragement for you today. You can overcome whatever your demon is, whatever you're struggling with, you can overcome. If Corey can do it, you can do it as well. And I'm so grateful and thankful to my friend, Corey Rich, for sharing his story with you, the Intentional Encourager podcast audience. Please tell Tell everybody you can about this podcast. It's going to help encourage, inspire, and strengthen a lot of people. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Meads. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be intention.